Hey everybody, welcome back to Off the Couch, where we take a closer look each week at the wide, weird, and wonderful world of running. I'm your host, Jonathan Ellsworth. I'm also the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Off the Couch is presented by CBG Trails, and the CBG Trails app is the only complete trail map app of Crested Butte and the Gunnison Valley, Colorado. So download the app today and start exploring. Today's conversation was not actually one that we had on the schedule, but then a very cool and very notable thing happened. This past weekend, Blister's very own Maddie Hart, who we interviewed in Off the Couch episode number six about the current state and the future of trail running, just won the Tahoe Rim Trail 100-mile run. And not only was Maddie the youngest person in this race, she is now the youngest person, male or female, to ever win this event at her ripe old age of 21. Now, being the super understanding and kind boss that I am, I decided to give Maddie about a day and a half to catch her breath and recover a little before bugging her and getting all the details. So in this conversation, Maddie and I talk about the race, her strategy, how she felt throughout it, what gear she used and how it performed, whether the fact that she had just run the extremely demanding 60K infinite trails race in Europe about three weeks ago was a good thing or a bad thing in terms of preparing for the Tahoe Rim Trail 100 miler. We talk about her most excellent pacers, Christian and Eric, and more. And so here it is, my conversation with Blister contributing editor and the newest and youngest ever Tahoe Rim Trail 100 mile champion, Maddie Hart. Maddie Hart, how are you today? Pretty good, Jonathan. You're currently in Yosemite? Yep, I'm just outside the valley. I drove down this morning to get some internet to be able to chat with you. But we are camping just above the valley floor, the only open campsite we could find. And yeah, spent the day yesterday down in the valley with all of the hordes of people, but walking really slowly and doing some tourist stuff. So we, we weren't planning on talking about this, basically. As we've been in touch the last couple of weeks, it's been kind of like we get on the phone or we meet up in person. We just immediately are talking about all this stuff we have going on. And then it was a little bit like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm going to be gone. I got to go do this race. And I was kind of like, cool, good luck. And that was it. But then turns out you won this thing. <laughs> and so then I was like, okay, I need to kind of hit pause. This is worth backing up and talking about. And um, I'm glad and appreciative that you would take the time while in Yosemite to uh, to sit and talk to me. So thank you for that. Of course. Yeah, thank you. It, it was a day, quite the <laughs> race. So I guess first question, it's, it's Tuesday morning we're talking. You wrapped up this race Sunday. Yep, Sunday morning, just before 5 a.m. Sunday morning, just before 5 a.m. So it's been, I don't know, f little, little over 48 hours. How good are you feeling versus how wrecked are you feeling versus this is about <laughs> what you expected? It's um, probably pretty much what I expected. Um my legs feel a little trashed. Walking doesn't feel lovely, but it's getting better. 
Um, my feet are pretty wrecked. You just like the course was super dusty. So I got a lot of blisters and the dust also like messed up my lungs. So then I've just been like kind of hacking up along the past two days. Um, but yeah, I feel like pretty good. The real post hundred mile hunger has hit me like this morning. So I kind of feel like an endless hole. Um, which is cool with me. I have a lot of food in my car, but yeah, no, I'm already kind of itching to run again. So maybe that's bad because I need to take at least a week off. <laughs> but I mean, then I start walking and I'm like, yeah, maybe running is not a good idea. <laughs> so talk to me about the Tahoe Rim Trail 100 and why did you decide to run this thing? Yeah. So it is um, near Lake Tahoe. It goes on the Tahoe Rim Trail. It's a course that does two 50-mile loops. Um, each loop has about 9,000 feet of climbing. Um, and the views are phenomenal. And like notoriously good aid stations, which I'd heard while I was at another 100-mile race. I just also love like the mountains in California, the Sierras are phenomenal. So that was, you know, another key selling point. So when did this race first get on your radar? And when did you first think about running it or just decide to run it? I, it was on my radar probably mm, October of last year. Um, that's kind of when a lot of the lotteries start to open up. And you kind of have to start thinking, like, if you want to do a race that has a lottery, you have to put in for it. Um, So that was really when I was like, all right, well, I'll put my name in for this one. If I get in, great. If not, I'll pick something else or do something different. Um, And I actually found out that I got into this race while I was doing my 24-hour race on New Year's Eve. So in the moment I was like, Oh God, like I have to do this again. (laughs) So let's talk about some of the details of this race. So it started when? It started 5 AM on July 20th, which was Saturday. And it has a 35 hour cutoff. And you started at 5 AM Saturday wrapped at you, you crossed the finish line around 5 AM Sunday. Yeah. I think it was like I mean, I ran 23.18, so it was 4.18 in the morning. <laughs> my gosh. What time did you get up Saturday morning? Uh, my alarm went off at 2.45, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I might have blocked that out from my memory because that was early. What time did you go to bed Friday night? I think I was in bed at 9.30. And can you actually go to bed? Can you like actually fall asleep at 930? That's like never, ever going to happen for me ever. Oh, that's like my normal bedtime. Like, (laughs) yeah. So I was, I was out cold. I slept really well Friday night, which was great. And like my alarm went off and I was like, Oh, I don't want to get up yet, but it was good. That was probably the hardest I've ever slept before a race. So maybe that helped too. Huh. And did you, did you stop and sleep at all during the race? Nope. I just kept chugging. I didn't like, I never, I've had races where I've gotten super tired at like, you know, two in the morning, but I was 
it might have been the fact that I had no idea how close behind me the second place female was. So I like, cause I passed her oh mile 75. Like I waited. And when I passed her, I did not turn around. And then it was just like, we can't stop. Like we got to keep going. Were you running scared or were you just kind of excited? What was the, what was the mood? Um, it was, it was excited initially. And then it was scared because <laughs> that the woman who I had passed had won the race. Like I want to say like eight times, like she's badass. She's super cool. She's like 56 and just like crushes things. Um, and like everyone was talking about her and this other woman, Bree, before the race. And I watched him take off and I was like, oh God, I'm never going to see him again. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was more scared. I, my pacer would vouch, but the, pat, the last like 10 miles, I think every like five minutes, I was like, do you see new headlamps behind us? And he was like, nope, it's the same two guys who have been behind us for the last hour and a half. You're good. I was worried that they were going to catch us. Talk to me about the lowest moments or darkest moments of the race for you. You know, honestly, up until mile probably 85 or 90, I, I was not like my, I was in a great mental spot. I was keeping food down well. Like there weren't really any loads. And then mile like 90 or so, I just was in so much pain. Um, and we were running still like, I mean, I thought we were running really fast. Turns out we were running like, I think like 11 minute miles downhill. Like it wasn't fast, but I thought we were flying like, man, but I was like kind of crying that whole downhill. Like my, the blisters on my pinky toes were like popping. And I was like, Christian, they're exploding. Like this hurts so bad. And he's like, Nope, we're not stopping. You'll fix it at the finish line. Like just keep going. Like there was a lot of like, just keep breathing. And that was, that was probably the lowest point was just at the end. It was like my quads were pretty blown and we were running downhill. So I was feeling it. But I think that that's something I'm proud of because like, there was no option for me of like, Oh, I could walk down this hill. It was like, no, we're going to run it. And like, you got to keep going. You're stronger than this pain, which I mean, I'd been doing a lot of mental training. So that, that for me, it was like, okay, yeah, I got this. Like I, I know how to kind of shut it off. So this wasn't one of those races where you hit a hard moment, but then somehow managed to crawl out of it and then kind of cross the finish line in a better headspace. or this was just like pain all, all the way in. It, yeah. It was just pain the last 10 miles. And then it went away when I sat down. Um, so then I was, I think I was smiling. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, if you weren't, I think you can be forgiven. Same old food as always or any surprises or questionable elements there? I mean, man, that's got to just be such a tricky part of this. It's, it's like the biggest part of it. Like if you can eat well, you will be able to run way longer and harder because you're putting calories in so you have more energy um yeah I kind of just stuck to my normal food routine I was way more dialed about how often I was eating 
And one of my friends back in Boulder had told me this trick of like keeping something, whether it was like a little like chew in your cheek or like I was doing like these candy gingins and like just keeping it in your cheek and like not eating it, but it like makes your mouth produce more saliva, which helps you not get nauseous. And man, that works so well. So, I mean, I think between just having them in my mouth and actually eating them, I probably ate like 15 packets of honey stinger, like chews. I like, I don't want to even see them for a month or so. <laughs> God, they tasted so bad at the end. Um, but they worked like I was doing those. And then at aid stations, um, I was eating a lot of avocado because they had avocado and like then crackers. So I was just making like little like saltine avocado sandwiches and like shoveling those down my throat, drinking a lot of Coca-Cola. Yeah, no, no peanut butter and jelly this time, but everything else worked out good. <laughs> so I asked you about low moments. Did you have any favorite moments? Oh man, there were a lot of good moments. This course, it's one of my favorite things, but this course did like some little loops off, like running down a stretch, um, like to go back or to come forward. So then there were sections where you'd be like with the people who were either in front of you or behind you. It just makes me feel so good to be able to like pump everybody else up and like everyone's just so nice. And like some people, you know, they're, they're like, oh my gosh, you're, you're in third place. You're in second place. Like, that just it's fun and like I love just seeing how happy everyone is and you know chatting for a couple seconds with people so this feels I don't know kind of ironic or kind of fitting almost exactly a month ago I was talking with you and Gordon Janini about trail running and its future and you know the fact that you and Gordon are quite young right? To be like participating in the ultra scene. And so <laughs> again, kind of, I don't know, ironic or funny or fitting that um, I think you, well, you are now the youngest person, male or female to win the Tahoe Rim Trail 100. Is that right? Yeah. And the youngest person in this year's event. Yes. So do you think about that? Or do people look at you or ask, like, what are you doing here? I actually, the race director at the finish line, that was his first question, was what is a 21-year-old doing running 100 miles and winning? And I was like, I don't know. Give me a couple minutes to think about it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so this race... I don't know why it was getting talked about more, but this was the first time like I rolled into aid stations and the like aid station, like crew was like, Oh, you're the 21 year old. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, I am. And like my mom, who is part of my crew, she was like saying that people were chatting about it at aid stations. Like before I came in, huh. like they'd be like, there's a 21 year old out here. And, <laughs> My mom told me at one point she like went up to these ladies and was like, that's my daughter. I was like, oh, that's so cute, mom. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the first time I'd ever at a race like had 
people like comment on my age. Hmm. Um, and I don't know if it was just the demographic of this race or what, but I mean, it also might've been that I was chasing down two super experienced women. seems like that would be a pretty cool thing. It was cool. It was, it was like one of those things where like, just at the end, I was so proud of myself because there, there is sometimes that notion of like young people, like they haven't been through enough adversity. They don't know how to do this well. And like, maybe that's more in my head and that's not what actually people think. But then for me, I was like, no, I can do this. Like, look at me go here. I am like, I'm doing fine. And so that, that was kind of a cool, cool feeling for me to just prove it to myself. If anything, I'm also another thing that when I talked to you and Gordon about a month ago, you guys were literally just about to take off to Europe to run in this infinite trails race. And first of all, I haven't really gotten a debrief on that from you either. So I'd be happy to hear you talk a little bit about that. And in particular, I'm curious, I mean, you were running, didn't you run a 60 kilometer leg in that race? I did. And and I guess I'm curious, I mean, having done that like three weeks ago, if that felt like, whoa, this is too much training in advance of the Tahoe Rim Trail race, or if that felt just about right, talk to me a bit about that. Yeah, honestly, I think that was probably a pretty crucial aspect of why I had a good race at Tahoe. Um, Austria, that course and the loop I did was gnarly. Like it was hard. Um, So it was 6K, so 38 miles and 12,000 feet of climbing. So and like it was technical and exposed and beautiful. But I mean, I, I definitely pushed myself there. But um, I think because that was my last like long run before Tahoe. And I think that really just like locked down all my training because I was training for Austria. So I'd been doing a ton of vert um, and I just was strong uphill. Um, so I think that helped me a lot at Tahoe because the climbs with the exception of one were very runnable and like I mean I honestly a couple times was like was that the climb and people were like yeah yeah that was we're at the top now I was like we didn't even go uphill what are you talking about (laughs) so I think Austria just like it was a confidence boost it was an amazing trip and it really it got me ready for for Tahoe for sure I don't think it was too close either um, I really focused on recovery after, and I was working at the Crested Butte Wildflower Festival. So honestly, that forced me to taper pretty well because I was so busy, which was probably a blessing. But um, yeah, those those three weeks really just lined up perfectly, and I think kind of helped create the outcome that I had on Saturday Sunday. Let's talk a little bit about gear. What shoes did you run in? Yeah, so I ran in two different shoes. I changed shoes at mile 50. So the first 50 miles I ran in the Solomon Sense Rides, um, which I love. And then the second 50 miles I ran in the Hoka Challenger ATRs. So why the change? Well, from the race emails I was getting I thought we would have to cross a river 
right before mile 50. So I thought my feet were going to get super wet. And I was like, in my head, I was like, well, I know mile 50 is a cruise spot. Like I might as well just anticipate my feet being soaked and just changing shoes to prevent blisters. Um, Cause sometimes for me, if my feet get really wet, like that's just a recipe for some gnarly blisters. So I figured might as well just take the opportunity, you know, take five minutes at that aid station and sit down and change shoes. Um, but there was no river crossing. <laughs> so I just, I had my plan all locked down though. And I was like, I might as well just change anyways. Cause it was, my feet were su- super dirty. So being able to really clean them off, I think helped. And personally, I think it, for me, it helps to switch shoes. Um, especially going from something like the sense ride to the ATRs, the cushion is very different and it kind of, it helped me, I think, run a little more comfortably the second 50 miles, just having more cushion and those downhills too. Um, the last eight miles are just, it's not a super steep descent, but like you feel it and having, you know, a pretty plush shoe, um, I think that helped a ton, just like making my quads not feel like they were going to explode nearly as much. (laughs) They still felt like they were going to explode, but. Any other gear that bummed you out? So I got a new pack before Austria and it's an ultimate direction pack. I love the pack itself. It fits so well. I had no rubbing along my neck, which sometimes I have issues with, especially with how much I sweat. Um, and I had no issues there. It's the ultimate direction ultra vest, I believe it's called. Um, it fits super well. The only issue I was having with it was the new new bottles. The like cap on it is designed so it won't leak. And it's, it's a smart design, but I was trying to use my teeth to pull it open. And then it like mile 70, I just like pulled the whole thing like apart and was like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> And then at mile 80, we couldn't fix it. Okay, mind you, we were all like kind of frazzled and trying to do it quickly. I fixed it very easily yesterday, but um, I used Pacer's Ultimate Direction bottles, which just have the like little nozzles that you bite gently and then water flows. And I think that's a way better design personally. Um, you do risk maybe having some leakage, but I like those bottles better. I might have to try to find some new bottles for the vest I have now. Um, and then I guess the only other gear that it didn't bum me out, it was, it was user error, but I wore, um, a pair of icebreaker shorts, which I love them because you can get them wet. They dry so quick. They're like the Moreno wool. Um, but the, I, I'm a weird like size, like I'm kind of small, but I have big legs. So the liners are too big and they rubbed so badly. Like I will never run that far without wearing compression shorts again. Cause that was painful. Like, Oh God. <laughs> oh man. Oh boy. Well, let's circle back to just the whole race itself, right? I mean, how this race went down for you. What did you find to be interesting or notable about this specific race? Yeah, so on Saturday, when the race started, it went out really quick. Um, And I watched Roxanne and Bree 
just take off. I think there were two women too who were in front of me. Um, so I was, you know, not, not in first. <laughs> I don't even know what place I was in, but I watched them all run away from me. And that's really hard for me to be like, just wait, like it's mile one. Um, but the, I mean, they all went out really fast and like, I just, I stayed patient and I've never had it be like mile seven. It was like, okay, now it's time to race and I still can run. Um, and that was, was cool. Cause I was like, well, I guess that's what you get for not going out fast. Cause then you can still run at mile 80 and 90. So that, that was a learning thing for me too. And yeah, I mean, I keep ta referring to this episode we did from a month ago. It's episode number six uh, called Trail Running in Its Future. You talked there, I think, about how you tend to just kind of fall apart at miles 70 and 80. And I mean, you mentioned that you certainly were coming across the last 10 miles in a pretty good world of hurt, but it still sounds like, well, at 70, you weren't just depleted. Yeah, it was, that was the first time it ever been like mile 90. I mean, even my like quote unquote world of hurt, I was still running, which I mean, like that was, that was different and just really cool for me. Let's take a minute at least to say a word about your pacers since I've come to develop a newfound appreciation of, uh, for pacers. Yeah. So, um, Eric real paced me from mile 50 to mile 80 and Christian Kerr paced me from mile 80 to mile 100 and I lived with Christian for all of last year he's my best friend um, a phenomenal runner a phenomenal human probably one of the kindest people I know and Eric is his friend who he introduced me to uh like five weeks ago and the first time I met him, I was like, you should come pace. I don't have two pacers. <laughs> and he's all about it. So that was actually only his second time running that distance. Um, and he crushed it. So we 50 to 80, we were just having fun and um, talking a lot about life, doing a lot of getting to know each other, which was pretty cool. <laughs> so that was super fun. I think it went well. I think he still wants to like you know, be my friend. So wow. I'd say that's a win. Yeah. <laughs> and then Christian really just brought it home. It was kind of funny because all day he kept being like, you're like, just chill. Like you're going out too fast. Calm down. And so when he like made me promise at mile 30, he was like, you have to be able to run at mile 80. Like promise me that now. And I was like, oh, all right, here we go. I'm promising you. So I think that might have been why I was running. But he he thought he was being mean to me, mile 90 to 100. But it was still what I needed because he was just like doing the like, you need to keep breathing because even though your lungs are like literally rattling with gravel, like you have to keep breathing. And there was just a lot of like, you're fine. Get out of your head like chill chill out you're gonna crush this just keep going um so he did the pep talk for you know an hour and a half which <laughs> I think is exhausting but yeah but man it got it done so I'm I'm so grateful for both of them well props to Eric and Christian and uh the whole art and uh 
hard work of pacing. Raise a glass to those two. Soon you'll be on the pacing committee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, I probably shouldn't have shared that with you. Uh, I mentioned this, Gordon and I were talking and I suggested that maybe I ought to um, go experience this world of uh, being a pacer and his eyes just lit up and got big and he's like a hundred percent you have to do this and then I was stupid enough to tell you about it yesterday and you kind of had the same reaction so I don't know I might I might get dragged into this world the biggest thing I'm worried about is that like I'm going to need a pacer to pace me while I'm pacing a runner so I, I think if I that's that's honestly my biggest concern right now so um we'll we're, see we're gonna get you to pace <laughs> maybe i'll sign up for another hundred milers so then you can oh, you man. can pace but i mean it, it's a high <laughs> bar right now i mean the pacers that we've talked about brendan's friend jason who sounds like amazing pacer like most optimistic person in the world and then christian and eric it's like i don't they, i'm have there's a real high bar for me to live up to on the pacing front i'm i'm definitely not sure i'm <laughs> I'm uh, I'm able here, so I don't know. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to work through. You'll this just a bit. be like you'll be the curveball pacer that'll be like, come on, this sucks. Like let's just go. <laughs> Why are you running so slow? It'll be great. Oh my god. Anyway, we'll we'll see what happens with that. But uh, any other interesting takeaways from this thing that you just wrapped up about 48 hours ago? Uh, takeaways. Uh, I'm stoked for more. I'm like, I'm hungry. I'm ready to keep training. I'm going to take two weeks off though. But, um, yeah, I've never like finished a race and been like, man, I'm here we go. Like bring it. Um, and yeah, I guess I'm going to be drinking beer the next two weeks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, do you already, I mean, you must kind of know what races are on the schedule, yeah, we have a rough idea for what it is happening in the fall. I haven't committed to any because I'm I don't know what recovery is going to look like. That sounds like that's a smart path for right now. Well, hey, um I appreciate the recap here, the the race report and uh I feel like I should let you get back to enjoying Yosemite and again, congratulations on this. This is a this is a hell of a thing you just did and uh we look forward to catching you real soon back here uh, in the Gunnison Valley. Thanks. Glad we got to talk for a little while about it all. <laughs> all right. Uh, you take care. We'll talk real soon. All right. Talk to you soon. That's it for this edition of Off the Couch. Thanks to Maddie for the conversation. Thanks to Luke Alley for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. If you are enjoying these Off the Couch episodes, we would very much appreciate it if you would leave us a nice rating or review in iTunes. Share this episode with your friends or leave us a comment in the show notes to this episode on Blister to let us know what you think. Until next time, keep moving forward and we will talk to you again next week.